Good morning and welcome to Mornings with Matthew. I'm your host, Matthew Tregesser, and I'm joined today by Ferris Preston Hennikins and Julia Post. How's it going, guys? Great. How are you? Pretty good. Preston, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Can't complain. So today we'll begin our episode with a segment called You Won't Believe This. What? Okay, so as usual in this segment, we'll discuss an immigration story that is just really unbelievable and noteworthy. So reports this week announced that the TSA is now going to the southern border to assist the Border Patrol. Uh, Reports indicate that they'll be there for 45 to 60 days. Um, Nearly 600 individuals will be here, um, and these include security ops and law enforcement. And they'll be coming from six select U.S. cities, which haven't been revealed yet. And their main role will be to transport migrants and also serve as a hospital watch uh, type of role. Now, they won't be airport screeners, the guys you see at the airports with, you know, the blue shirts. Um, but what do you guys make about all of this? I mean, it's, it's definitely something we haven't seen before. Uh, I think it's uh, a good move. Uh, TSA has about 60,000 employees. And like you said, not every single one of them are working as airport screeners. And these volunteers who will come down to the border are really going to be, in a way, a a force multiplier for the Border Patrol. So now, instead of having to deal with, uh, you know, kind of menial tasks that, you know, Border Patrol would have to do, these people are able to do that for them so that Border Patrol can actually do their mission and, you know, detain aliens, you know, find them, process them, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. I think it's good that they're sending support to the border, but I'm a little concerned that we're having to pull from other areas in DHS. Like, it's demonstrating that the Border Patrol itself is not strong enough or hasn't been made strong enough by Congress to handle the crisis we're seeing. And it's also showing, you know, how bad the crisis is getting, that they're, they're needing to pull these extra resources. So I'm glad they're reinforcing, but at the same time, it's concerning to me to see this situation elevate one step higher. Well, I, I exactly agree. I mean, I think the biggest concern here is, according to the TSA um, union, they're saying that in the summer, nine out of the 10 busiest weeks for air travel occur. So now you have these TSA agents coming down the southern border, and obviously this is, this is going to present... Uh, security risks. And um, as you saw with 9-11, I mean, only 19 hijackers committed that terrible event. And so I think what we need to start looking at is whether or not this is going to jeopardize some of our security. Yeah, well, I think absolutely you can see where this border crisis, even though, you know, it's happening down at the southern border, it's starting to affect all parts of our national life. And you're seeing this, especially in the summer when Americans are going to be going on vacation, they're international travelers coming here. Um, People are going to start to feel it all over the country, Um, you know, not feeling as safe in our airports. You know, we really pride ourselves on the the security that we have uh, since 9-11. But to see that, I don't know what the numbers were, but some places a 10% reduction right. in uh, their forces. That's it's really concerning for people uh, traveling all over the country. And uh, it just points again to the, the fact that this crisis is growing and I don't think we're prepared. And those same months uh, at the southern border are typically when we see a lot more uh, aliens coming to the border. So uh, to think that we're going to be drawing from all of these agencies such as TSA that they have their own priorities uh, you know they're getting ready to enter their busiest travel season uh, but at the border you know we're in a way we're about to experience even more than what we've been seeing I mean do you guys think it'll be enough this TSA poll I mean do you think it'll even I, I mean like I said there's only about 600 individuals coming allegedly so I think it'll help somewhat but I mean think about it with apprehensions 
topping 100,000 for the previous past two months. I mean, I, I don't know. I think we d- could definitely see more personnel down there. But, I mean, think about it. They already have the Border Patrol down there, ICE down there, National Guard, U.S. troops, and now these TSA agents. You know, what group is going to be next? Yeah. It's insane. So great stuff. Now we're going to transition to a, a new segment called Capitol Hill Craziness. All right, so in this segment, we'll talk about a recent immigration legislation that is crazy or just unimaginable. So earlier this week, the House Appropriations Committee recently advanced a spending bill that would allow recipients of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, also known as DACA program, to work in the legislative branch or otherwise known as Congress. Uh, So there's no final decision that has to be made until June. Um, But this is something, again, that why are the Democrats prioritizing DACA recipients over lawful immigrants and U.S. citizens. Preston, what are your initial thoughts on this? Uh, So some initial thoughts. Uh, This bill still hasn't been introduced, which is interesting. So it just finished markup, uh, and they added this. This is actually the last part of the bill, is allowing this provision to have uh, DACA recipients work uh, and specifically be paid in Congress. And believe it or not, uh, this is... uh, um, the provision that keeps uh, foreign foreigners, essentially, from working in Congress, uh, it's not anything in U.S. code. It's just added into appropriations bills every year. It's kind of just been a standard uh, addition. And so the Democrats are signaling that this is a priority for them by putting this in their you know, legislative appropriations bill. But it's hard to imagine that this would be their immigration priority right now of all things that they could be focusing on with the border and everything we were just talking about. I mean, the fact that them slipping this in so that we can have foreign nationals working in our government, I mean, it just speaks volumes about what the, the Democrats really care about. And, and I think it's an insult to uh, American people because, you know, it's really prestigious and an honor for a lot of people to come to Washington and get to work on the Hill, work for their representative. A lot of people, you know, they work so hard just to get to that point to, you know, to work in politics. And uh, there's not that many spots available in the scheme of things. So it, it's very cutthroat. And and for them to just create these quotas, essentially, or create this, this availability and, and forestall, you know, stall Americans from getting those positions, I think it's really an insult. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. If Congress is making the laws, why are they hiring people who essentially broke the law with their immigration status? I mean, what kind of message is that sending to other people who are looking for jobs like this or, you know, just people like us right here? So it's it's definitely a, a hypocrisy, to say the least. Right. I mean, it's all political theater. And that's essentially what this is. It's it's a messaging tool for them. Uh, who knows whether or not this will even stay. You know, this could get, you know, um, somehow taken out of the final version of the bill. But right now, it's just a it's a big messaging tool for them to say, you know, we are pro-DACA, we want them working in our offices, that kind of thing. And Julia, like you mentioned, I mean, why are the Democrats prioritizing this, spending so much energy on a bill like this when there's literally hundreds of thousands of people pouring across the southern border? And it's just unimaginable. I mean, it's sort of funny, though, like two years ago, like they messaged, you know, the last two years, or they messaged so hard, and even before that on the DACA stuff, the Dreamer stuff, but I've been hearing less and less of it with like less clout because because of this huge shadow of this border crisis. I don't think this carries much weight anymore. I don't think people want to hear about the DACA kids or the Dreamer kids. It's It's a small number of people compared to what we're seeing on the border, and it's a small problem compared to what we're seeing on the border. And I mean, it's definitely a problem, and it should be resolved one way or another, but but for them to 
you know, they're trying to cling to this this platform of, oh, we need to help the dreamers, but I don't think they're going to get very far with it when people start really being aware of what's going on, especially, like, what happens this summer. I mean, I'm expecting, at least I know Fair is expecting the, the numbers really to rise at the border. So that's this kind of joke about, oh, the dreamers get to work in Congress is, I don't know, a sideshow compared to what we're going to see. Right. And for our listeners out there, um, I know there's a lot of talk about dreamers and DACA recipients. And to clarify some things, um, there are about 700, 800,000 recipients of this program, and President Obama started this in 2012, um, and it's basically for people who arrived in the country illegally um, before they turned 16 years old, and they get two-year renewable terms, um, and to qualify for it, you, you have to have some education, you can't have a previous felony, uh, but it also authorizes you to work. So you're not uh, a citizen by any means, you can't vote, uh, there's certain limitations, but there's a large portion of people who uh, receive this program. But how, I mean, how could they let people who aren't citizens work in our government? I don't, I just don't understand how that works. It's just that simple. Right. And that, you know, the Congress has had issues with uh, foreigners in the government. Um, for instance, uh, uh, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz had that big scandal where she'd hired a uh, Pakistani IT professional to do some work for her office. And it turns out that he uh, had stolen a bunch of, you know, personal information off of uh, government-issued computers. And so that's, again, kind of a reason why you want American citizens working in Congress and, you know, working in government and that kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, aliens. It's, it's not a, you know, discriminatory thing. It's really a matter of national security. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving along here, we'll finish up with our guest perspective segment where I interview a guest outside of our organization. Earlier this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb from Arizona. The two of us discussed why two border regions recently called states of emergencies and also the presence of vigilante groups along the border. Let's take a listen to that interview now. So to begin, I guess the biggest news from around your area is that uh, Yuma, Arizona, and now Otero County, New Mexico, recently declared states of emergencies because of the nation's immigration crisis. Um, in your opinion, do you believe that these were the right calls or... What do you know about what's going on down there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that these these cities are not, not to necessarily make this a political thing, but these cities are not necessarily conservative or Republican cities. These are, these are places that are probably predominantly Democrat. And, you know, for a long time, I don't think that they've recognized the crisis that they're in. But now, clearly, these, uh, they recognize there's a crisis. They're being overrun with, uh, you know, these large groups of people showing up and uh, trying to come into this country and claiming asylum. Um, it's really been taxing on our Border Patrol and our federal partners, and it's extremely taxing on, you know, those cities as well. Now, I know that your county is, you know, somewhat close to Yuma and Otero County, but uh, do you expect in the, in the near future, you know, in a couple months from now to... Uh, declare a state of emergency because your your resources are just so overwhelmed and uh, you just can't handle the surges of migrants coming across the border. You know, I don't think we would declare a state of emergency. Ours has been pretty consistent. So we don't get those large groups of people that Yuma or Nogales or some of these other places are getting, particularly Yuma. Mm -hmm. um, we get, what we get are people crossing through the desert and, uh, you know, for the most part, their their motives are nefarious. They're bringing human beings into this country. They're trafficking drugs into this country. 
And uh, that's something we're probably always going to deal with. Um, as you build a wall, as you increase security along the border, what that does is just push more and more into the area where we deal with. Um, but they don't stay here. That, that's not right. their goal. Typically what they're doing is they're getting here and they're transporting both the bodies and the people to other locations. We have a lot of Border Patrol presence here, so I don't think their goal is to stay here. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, the, the, the further inland they get into this country, the safer they are. Right. But not, you know, is what they think. Right, exactly. So do you think because your county is not a sanctuary county and you guys also implement the 287G program, um, do you think that's a large reason why you're not seeing the numbers as high as, you know, Yuma or Otero County or other, you know, counties along the southern border? Actually, I don't know what their their numbers are. I mean, it, we're, it's hard to compete with Yuma because Yuma has so many people give up as soon as they come across the border. Um, so that's really difficult. But our numbers rival probably anybody's and probably exceed a lot of counties as far as apprehensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not a border county. Right. So, I, so I, I know you're a little bit inland. I mean, you're you're in southern Arizona, but I guess you're not directly on the border. So, I mean, but you're still seeing you know, large numbers of, of illegal immigrants in your county. Is that correct? Yeah, every day. I mean, you can go out there every, every night, and uh, we've got groups of, of smugglers. Because really, that's what they are. They're trafficking drugs and humans into this country. Right. So we've got smugglers or traffickers, whatever you want to call them, coming into our county initially. But really what they're doing is they're coming into this country. So also in the news recently, there's uh, there's been news of a militia group led by Larry Hopkins. He's the leader of the United Constitutional Patriots. And he was recently arrested by the FBI because uh, allegedly he detained migrants along the border at gunpoint. There's about 200 of them. So in your county, do you see a lot of these militia groups? And, and what is your overall opinion of, you know, their role in your county, if they have any? You know, we do see some groups in our county. Um, I, it, that's a tough one because I, I'm, as an American, I see, I understand their desire to protect America. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, you're dealing with so many different components to that. And there's some laws that can easily be broken, for example, kidnapping or, or aggravated assault by pulling a gun on somebody. And I, I know their intentions start off good, but it's like anything. If you go overboard, you know, you have religious zealots, you have people that obviously uh, want to protect our borders to the point where they might go a little overboard. Um, you have, uh, you can really go overboard on anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's really difficult. You got to be really careful that when you're doing something, you, their intentions may start off good as wanting to protect America, but it's, it's tough for us and it sometimes poses an issue. Um, it's just another group of people that we're having to deal with out in the desert. Do you think that they provide, you know, more intelligence and kind of surveillance support rather than, you know, detaining actual migrants? Because I feel like the media really blew this up. And, I, and granted, they shouldn't be doing this. But I feel like with a lot of these militia groups, they aren't actually detaining or holding up migrants at gunpoint. Isn't it more of a support intelligence type of role? Yeah, you know, I've spent time with uh, Tim Foley's one that's very well-known down on the border, and he really gets it. He does a lot more intelligence-based. They help out law enforcement. I've got other groups, other people that uh, will give us information as far as, you know, intel that they might be picking up, areas where they're seeing smuggling action um, or activity. 
So, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I think they're very, they can be very useful for information. Um, I know in our desert on the south end, we can have Border Patrol, uh, Bureau of Land Management, um, DPS, our guys. There's so many different law enforcement agencies that can be out in that area. It just is, it, it, it can pose a, a potential problem for us as well. So anybody, I can't keep them from going out there. This is a free country. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who goes out there, I try to make sure that they understand, you know, the risks that are involved with it. And also just the, you know, the complications that it could be for us as law enforcement. But, you know, in the end, it's America. So I'm not going to keep them from going out there. Right. So would you say uh, since President Trump took office in 2016, has policing for you and your department uh, and fighting illegal immigration, has it become easier for you or has it become harder? Because I feel like there's two different kind of angles to look at this. You know, you have one side, you know, the left open borders advocates, they scrutinize you guys for doing the job that you're doing. But then you have, you know, Trump who's, you know, on your guys' side and who wants to curb down on illegal immigration. So how have you felt in terms of, you know, by community members or the media? Have you been treated fairly or do you think that uh, it's been harder to deal with illegal immigration since Trump uh, took office? We have a very good county, um, and it's it's very nice to have a president who supports law enforcement and who fights for border security. And I think a lot of the people in our county understand the importance of border security. I'm not saying everybody, but mm-hmm. I think the majority of our people do understand that how important it is. It's sad that we, that you know the media has chosen to fight the president so much on border security because. Like I always say, the, the humanity level aspect of it. There, these people uh, are being abused and violated by the cartel on a daily basis and being taken advantage of. And, and uh, it's sad that not all Americans recognize that and stand up and say, hey, look, we may not agree, but we can agree that we've got to protect these people. And you know, it's nice to have the president there doing it. I think it's in some ways you're right. It has made the job tough because – People have taken because they dislike our president so much. They've they they're fighting against him on something that really shouldn't be. It should be a no-brainer for us as Americans to want to protect our country and protect people who are trying to make a better life for themselves, who are being abused by the cartel. And uh, yeah, the media has definitely made that piece a little bit tougher. It's beyond me how again the a lot of people on the left, a lot of these politicians and people. Uh, who are open borders advocates, they continue to say that this is a manufactured crisis. I mean, you, st- you still see it in a tweet or on a, a Facebook status, um, and it's beyond me. I mean, you look at these numbers, you know, uh, over a million are expected to be apprehended at the southern border in 2019. Uh, just last year, 17,000 17, with pre- uh, previous criminal records were arrested at the southern border. So there's obviously a, a criminal crisis, a humanitarian crisis, but what do you have to say to those that say, you know, it's manufactured? It's been uh, nothing that we haven't seen before. I say that's an ignorant statement, that they should come down and see it for themselves. You know, I, I post on social media. We had a we had some congressmen down here, and one of the congressmen out of Florida posted on there. It's a shame to see how vicious and nasty people are. They just, they honestly just spew venom on, on social media. You know, it's okay if you don't agree, but some of the things that they say are just out there. But you'll still have people saying that this is still a manufactured crisis or 
And then I look at where they're from, and they're from places like New York and stuff. Right. They have no idea what they're talking about. Right. And come down here and see it. I mean, we we were we used our aviation unit the other day. Just uh, I think it was Saturday, maybe uh, Saturday or Sunday, and uh, we were we were busy all day long. We ended up apprehending I think twenty three bodies. Wow. Different groups. Those were all different groups. And how many got away? So it's to say it's not a crisis is honestly, it it shows a lot of ignorance on their part because anybody who's down here on this air in this area knows that that's not the truth. Absolutely. So from your perspective, a sheriff's perspective, who's, you know, worked in the area for a while now, um, what do you think? is the actual solution to this immigration crisis. I mean, I know there's a lot of been, a lot of things that have been talked about, such as the border wall, uh, reforming our asylum laws, uh, maybe increasing border patrol personnel. But, you know, to make your job easier in your county and, and to help curb down these surges of family units and illegal immigration, in your mind, what do you think are maybe a couple of solutions or maybe the one solution to help out? You know, I don't get paid the big bucks, but I do have some ideas. And Sure. What you've got to do when you look at this, you have to look at two things. You have to look at how can we provide some common sense solutions to the immigration issue and how do we weaken the cartel um, and how do we make them what their world a lot more difficult. So that what I think, and people may or may not agree with this, but this is the reality. We're facing things that some people on the right are going to have to accept the fact that we may have to make some tolerance, some adjustments. But what I think is instead of letting the cartel take $5,000 for bringing somebody across the border and then making them transport drugs, why don't we take that as a country as a one-year visa fee? Mm -hmm. You pay $5,000. That allows you to come here for one year. We iris scan them. We fingerprint them. Um, They have have a responsibility to, within 30 days or 60 days, send in their address. If they don't file their taxes and if they don't, um, if they catch a crime in that year, then we revoke the visa. What that allows, here in Arizona, we have a lot of accidents where people don't have insurance. Well, they don't have insurance because they're here illegally. Mm-hmm. And this allows for them to get insurance legally. It allows employers to be able to pay them because they have a one-year visa. We can encourage them to bring their families so that they stop sending all the money back to Mexico, which hurts our economy. And what that does is it allows us to actually keep track of the people that are here in the country a lot better. And the biggest thing, it weakens the cartel. Mm-hmm. Right now, the cartel is making more money off of bodies than they are drugs. So you think about that. All these people, these millions of people all paying the cartel or hundreds of thousands of people paying the cartel to come into this country. That's money that we could be making that we could be using to help increase border security and and also... And that's a common sense solution for letting people come here to this country to make a better life. So it's, to me, that's the common sense, but I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Right. Absolutely. All right, Sheriff Mark Lamb, thank you so much for coming on this morning for Mornings with Matthew. I really appreciate the insight, and it's always good to get a law enforcement perspective on this. I mean, it's certainly beneficial for our listeners to hear this. Uh, thank you again for coming on. All right. Thank you, Matthew.